Um, What are we doing? Um, I have some thoughts. You had some thoughts, I think, as well, uh, about maybe it's... You know what I was going to do uh, before we started recording, and I didn't do it? Um, It was to go back to one of our bonus episodes where I think you were in the process of working on this this paper you wrote uh, that's not been published yet. About democratic minimalism about in democratic, theory and practice. That one, that one, yeah. And I think you were you were in the in the throes of working it, and I and I'd started sort of uh, pushing you about you know the role of of uh, of ultimately of of religious faith uh, for the the necessity of religious faith for even being able to talk about justice. And I mean, I've read your your not yet published paper since then, um, and I'm still not convinced that 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 uh, that. You know, you can you can really talk about a lot of these things without God, which I think you you cleverly allied in your paper. But maybe that's something to talk about. Um, Let's do it. You know, about come the, at me, come at you, huh? Well, I don't know. I mean, um, I mean, I guess it's not really a problem for you because ultimately you're a believer, so you can. It's easy for you to talk about justice, right? Do you, do you believe, um, or how do you, how do you approach secular justice, Shadi? I guess is the main question. And I, I let me let's let's maybe start there because that's that's easier rather than talking about a paper that no one's read and no one will be able to read. Um, well, you, hopefully, eventually, eventually, read it. someone will be able to read it. But but I mean, I guess I guess the question is is yeah. for me is is um, there's a there's this thing among the wokes, right? Uh, and that it's all tied to uh, to claims to justice. And you were uh, among the signatories of the, you know, the now fabled, infamous Harper's the now letter. infamous fabled fabled stories fables. <laughs> well, no, no, it's real. Not 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 so much fabled. The storied Harper's letter. Um and and I mean the argument there was was you know not against justice per se but it was uh, it was you know against the sort of ideology that underpins it. So your argument wasn't necessarily with claims to justice of the of the woke movement, right? But but I guess to me, and I mean this came up when there are I think it was in the bonus episode with Ross as well. Is it's I find I find that the the easiest way to get at the heart of the the woke ideology. And the problems within it is to basically point out to the fact that they don't have a uh, a real theory of justice. I don't think they just sort of invoke it all the time because it's this weird secularized religious thing. Uh, there's no problem in it for them because they're operating in sort of a religious sphere. But as a you know non-believer myself, I, I I've I always find that that their claims to justice. It just doesn't really make sense to me. Um, I, I don't know how you approach that part of the woke stuff. Are you just troubled by the liberalism, or 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 is there something else that's hollow in no, it to you? They don't really have the liberalism. No, exactly. That the the illiberalism, let's say, or or yeah. that, that that sort of lack of attachment to to a liberal worldview. Well, a couple. I mean, a couple things. I mean, it's interesting that I have such a problem with the illiberalism of wokeness, considering that. Some people accuse me of having a soft spot for illiberalism in other contexts, let's say in the Middle East, when it comes to Islam and Islamist movements, when it comes to Catholic integralism, which we talked a little bit about with Sorab Amari on a recent episode. So I'm not completely consistent when it comes to 
my dislike of illiberalism. There yeah. are some that I'm more tolerant of over over others. I think, and we can maybe get to that, but I think that what I find troubling about the woke approach to justice is that it's unmoored from theology. It's unmoored from transcendence. It's it's um it's a constantly moving target. And I don't think that you can have an absolute objective sense of justice if it's always moving and changing depending on the whims of its proponents. And that's, I think, what makes the woke moment, um, the revolution, if you will, a little bit frightening, is that um, you don't know where you stand vis-a-vis this conception of justice. Mm. So do I believe in secular justice? I'd say no, I don't. I think that you can only conceive of justice ultimately with some resort to God or a higher power. I'm I'm agnostic, if you will, on what what form that higher power should take. You don't have to be Muslim, Christian, or or whatever. Um, there are different ways to get to that sense of justice, and we know historically that um, theists, a- atheists, agnostics have been able to achieve something similar to what I'm talking about. Um, I mean, well. Yes, I think you can do it with even without a higher power, but even the, the the conception of the higher power is a diverse one, and people can approach that in different ways. It does help, I would say, now that I'm sort of thinking out loud about it a little bit more, it does help to believe in a monotheistic God, I would say, because I think that um, in the story of monotheism over millennia, we do have a somewhat... Um, a somewhat rooted sense of justice that develops over time um, that is somewhat shared um, across across the different faiths. So I think that probably helps. Um, and without that, I think that it you start to struggle a little bit. The other aspect of it is um, that justice doesn't have to be only in this world. It can also be delayed or postponed until the next life or until after we die if you don't believe in the next life. And I think that with a secular conception of justice, you lose that notion of postponement or delayed justice. So, and we've talked about that, I guess, on a couple episodes, this idea of postponement, which I think is absolutely vital. So I'd maybe start with with those as some initial thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it's vital. I mean, even in, in your sort of conception of democracy, right? I mean, it's it seems that like that that idea of religious postponement at least in your telling, would would allow people to, you know, basically fight another day and sort of keep this yeah. sort of stuff happening. But it's interesting, right? That 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 that's not the logic of any of this. I mean, I that's it's interesting to me that that you're approaching it that way because that's not again, it's not really instinctive to me uh, how how democracy works and that it's actually rooted in in in, in that kind of. Um, sense of 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 you know justice being postponed and therefore being able to sort of you know peacefully uh fight these things over and over again i mean i said it also to you in the bonus episode however many weeks ago i think the other part that's that's sort of missing in your account is this question of what what constitutes the political community and what is in and out uh i i I do think that that you know as i was thinking through your arguments you know if you if you if you take democracy and just sort of expand it to the world, uh, 
and it, you talk some, about some kind of human community and, and, and doing that, it breaks down at some point, right? Um, so, I mean, we, we can get into that later because that, that to me also is fascinating. But the, the question of, of, of sort of secular justice and what it means, I mean, what's is that really all that 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 bugs you about the wokes that that they invoke this kind of Jeffersonian you know uh, loose talk that's based in the uh, um, what's it called in the uh, in the Declaration? Um, I know. And I, I like Jefferson. That? I mean, I like Jefferson and the Declaration. Yeah. Um, that's not the issue. I think, if anything, the wokes I don't think uphold the Jeffersonian perspective. I mean, certainly they disavow. At least some of them disavow Jefferson sure, himself sure. as an individual. And uh, for, for I guess obvious reasons, but um, so I, I don't I don't know if yeah it's definitely not I don't think they're in line with the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, but are they? I mean, do you think they are in some way? Well, you know, I mean, I guess the thing that strikes me about it is that that the woke movement I find it extra unconvincing when it's happening outside of the context of America. I, I I I all too quickly see just sort of your standard kind of anti-Americanism when foreigners do it, which is you know most exemplified by that kind of German glee at seeing America have uh, like basically racial and racialized not conflict but tensions and you know I mean I've said this before on the on the podcast I feel that that there's a a certain kind of uh, morbid fascination among post-war Germans about those aspects of America because it it morally relativizes to a certain extent. And I think that's psychologically um, uh, helpful to many post-war Germans still dealing with, with war guilt, basically, you know. Um, but but uh, what strikes me about the, the woke thing is that it is grounded in a certain concept of America. I mean, all their claims are grounded in it. Now, Right. It's it's the the twist is that that instead of like, say, Martin Luther King invoking that America should live up to its ideals, they say the ideals themselves are null and void because slaveholders wrote them. Right. But but still underlying that is a kind of appeal to justice, which is despite all their protestations, only conceivable, a secular justice is only conceivable within the context of America, within the context of the American promise. So, you know, I that's, mean, maybe that's why I'm, I'm I, I kind of feel I'm 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 not woke. I'm not I'm not a fan <laughs> of what's going on. But I, I at some ways I'm I'm um, I feel like I'm maybe less discomfited by it than you, if that's fair. Yeah, I think I've noticed that in some of our conversations that you're you're more comfortable sort of accepting that it's there and not getting worked up. And that's actually something that I I admire about you, Demir, and I wish I was more like you. And I have made a conscious effort, I should reassure listeners, to to table wokeness myself. I'm I'm trying not to write about it or comment about it, comment on it mm-hmm. for the most part, but obviously we're all weak um, and um, we suffer from the sins of the flesh and the intellect. Mm-hmm. So in this regard, I wish I was better. And I've noticed myself in the last couple of days getting outraged 
by certain things that I've been following. It just happens to be the case, too, that my Twitter feed uh, tends to have a lot of anti-woke people. I think the algorithm probably prioritizes them because I also follow a lot of woke people, but they just don't seem to appear as much. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Sad. So, so what's been agitating you, like, in the last week on the woke stuff, specifically? Like, the fact that... that Hunter Biden's racism is not being covered. I saw that was a bugaboo on on the right this week a little bit. Um, Okay, but I'll get to that before I forget, though. mm. I think the way you phrased the tension and wokeness is really interesting, and it may be worth revisiting in the future, that in some ways they are dependent on the American idea, but also disavowing it simultaneously. And I think that tension is really at the heart of this project. Mm. That, I mean, ultimately, the way you described it, I would say that they are they are disavowing the foundational American idea. I don't. Th- I think you're right that they wouldn't. What they're saying and doing wouldn't be possible in another country in the same way. So they are in this in this sense thoroughly American. But not thoroughly American in the sense of upholding the founding documents or being true to what I consider to be the foundational premise of the American idea. Yeah, and and how would you characterize that? Like, what what's what's the what's what is it that you feel like they are uh, most aggressively abrading against? They don't believe in the founding moment. Yeah, but and I don't believe you can be. I, I I don't believe there's a conception of Americanness without having some respect or admiration for the founding moment. If you try to change the founding moment, and I hear I'm speaking metaphorically, but in some cases it's even literal that they want to change, some of them want to change the founding moment from 1776 to 1619. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm fine with bringing 1619 into the broader conversation to sort of um, broaden our understanding of America. But when you start to talk about... um changing the founding moment or changing dates or saying that 1776 or whatever year came after that in the 1780s, depending on what moment you're looking at, that that has to be disavowed. That's where I think that that's contrary to what I always understood when I was growing up to be the American promise. I mean, if you look at Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement, they they always drew very explicitly and directly on on the founding moment and moments and you know and that's that's how they drew strength yeah that's how they drew inspiration that's how they built a broad-based movement in support of their ideas no look i i I think i think that the the woke thing is is in trouble because it's going to like basically run aground on that i mean it'll i think ultimately it'll be but less it's not successful. i mean how is i, I mean uh, this is where i it's we, early times though isn't it though shoddy it just started i mean you know this this could take five eight maybe even ten years to sort of work okay, itself well, out. well look ten years is a long time and that's gonna have that's gonna ha- there'll be a major imprint for sure on on american politics and american institutions ten years and um, I'm not even I'm not even particularly optimistic that it will burn itself out in ten years. I think it 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 will probably decline in scope and intensity, but I think it's going to be 
an important current in our politics, maybe in a more subdued form for for a long time to come in a, in certain elite institutions. I think it's going to be hard to because these people, uh, I would say they're very aggressive. They're very uncompromising and they don't tolerate dissent. Yeah. And I just don't know how the other side is going to gain ground when they're facing that level of intolerance of dissent. So in like top academic institutions, um, in, in say the New York Times and elsewhere, I, I just don't, I don't see a very persuasive story of how this is undone. I can see how it's tempered and we can live with that. And yeah. I can live with that. I don't think we need to, as I've said before, I don't think we need to defeat wokeism entirely. Tempering it is fine, but tempering it still means that it's going to play an important role in our politics, probably for the rest of our lives. Let's just unpack one thing, though. It was interesting, right? I mean, it's it's you know, you're 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 talking about doing violence to the founding moment. Um, And it's that's one of the things that that has struck me in the course of of the last, you know, however many, I guess, year or change that this has really gotten uh, a lot of traction, right, is um, is, again, the sort of. Uh, obsession with narratives. Um, all of this is about changing the narrative in so many ways. In so many ways, it's such a like it's even taking place in some sort of strange postmodern. It's a postmodern fight about you know uh, uh, amending the narrative of America. And I'm not saying that that you know having a founding mythology is um, uh, what's it called uh, unimportant somehow. Obviously, it is important. I think you know. Uh, I remember how many years ago was it now that I I became an American citizen, and you're you're in the courtroom there. It's really it's a, it's a remarkable um, uh, ceremony. If you if you haven't uh, you know gone with a friend who's becoming American, or even just I think you can attend. You don't have to be invited. You should you should at some point. I think all Americans should do it. You're in a courtroom, uh, and it it really is a subsection of the world inside there. You know it's and and. It's 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 a strangely moving moment. Not even strangely moving. It's a it's a moving moment because um, you see everyone's really excited to be there. Uh, there's there's a sense that sense of American optimism. And all these fresh immigrants, uh, literally about to become Americans, they all are there uh, because of that promise of America, right? But at the same time, you know what's what's striking about the woke thing, and maybe also why I'm 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 uh, maybe less perturbed by it. Is that I don't know. I guess I'm I'm also the product of uh, you know learning about America that has always you know even before sort of political correctness and all this happened. I mean, it's not like uh, I wasn't taught in school that that uh, the Native American populations were exterminated. You know, I mean, once you start reading serious history later, you see. The extent to how this happened and uh, just how nasty it was. But I'm saying it's just like basically from a personal standpoint, by the time the woke frenzy broke uh, over the country, I can't say that that I I was particularly I don't think I've learned anything from their quote unquote rewriting of history. Now, it's an attempt to, I guess, rebase these narratives into like uh, you know, a mythology of penance rather than a mythology of pride. I do think that's not great for a country, um, you know, uh, if that were to take hold, you know, as some kind of like permanent pessimism about America. Um, and I guess that should be resisted. But overall, how do I put it? It's, it's 
tempered my understanding of America, even as someone who was deeply moved by becoming American, uh, was that this country has a very sordid and very uh, difficult past that it's constantly, you know, coping with one way or the other. Yeah. What I see with this, Mm. you know, is just an emanation of a certain kind of spasm of something of another turn of the wheel of America coping with it's again quite sordid past i've i've what i guess what's 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 striking about it again on this level of narrative is um did you by any chance uh notice or even have a chance to read i think it came out yesterday george packer's new essay in the atlantic about i saw it haven't read it yet it's good i i recommend it warmly um he he comes up with this typology of you know four americas like four tribes and you know one is sort of like the libertarian reaganite one is a sort of meritocratic modern democrat uh, one is the trumpy sort of populist and the fourth one is like justice america i.e. the sort of woke side and he you know he talks about that what's striking about it is that the sort of meritocratic democrats are now doing this pantomime of Oh, we didn't know. And thank you, Wokes, for enlightening us to this. That's dishonest. Everyone who's a meritocrat who's read a single book knows that America's had a a nasty history. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, this is a good good point because um, I think that it was self-evident to me growing up in, I guess, the public school system that I happened to be in in Pennsylvania that, I mean, I, I... Native American slavery. I mean, we that that was covered pretty explicitly, and um, and I, I don't recall any effort to sort of um, get around it. And I and then in college, you know, I was um, I read Chomsky's work and other critical theorists. Um, I think I've mentioned before that. I was the only guy in my feminist theory class. Yeah. Who among us? <laughs> yeah. And my first academic article that was published in a journal was actually about um, feminist theory. Um, and, you know, Foucault and all that, I mean, I don't remember what it was like to read them in the moment, but I remember that that was a big part of my intellectual upbringing. And totally. I thought it went without <laughs> I thought it went without saying that we all knew that America had a sordid past. So the idea that any of this is new is is some, yeah, I agree with you, is bizarre to me. And maybe that's where I come at this from a little bit of a different angle. Uh, I remember, uh, what was it, the a People's History of the, United, uh, of the United States of America by Howard Zinn. Yeah. I mean, we all knew about that. We all read that and yeah. we all thought it was important. I, I mean... It sold millions of copies. It's one of the best-selling history books in American history. Um, so, I mean, this is just... Yeah, so, and even when it comes to foreign policy, I'm always very clear that I think we have a tragic past where we've done incredibly destructive things to other regions and nations, first in Latin America in the 60s and 70s onwards, and then... Um, more of what my concern is now with the Middle East, and that is ongoing to this very day. None of that really, for me, undermines the American story. And I think this is where I have trouble relating to the woke account of America, is I don't see how these how this sordid history, that these accumulating sins, undo the American story. I, don't, I think yeah. in some ways 
they're an important part of the American story. And that's what inspires me to commit myself to a certain set of ideals because I, you know, I believe that the U.S. can be better. I also do believe, though, that as empires go, we have, even with our our last few sordid decades during the Cold War and to this day, you know, we're a better empire than Belgium was. We're a better empire than um, England was. We're a bit, you know, so on and so forth. Um, certainly the French. Uh, so when it comes to, I mean, not to sort of, uh, you know, Neil Ferguson, I think, makes an exaggerated uh, um, version of this argument in his book Colossus, which yeah. I, I remember reading when I was in college. And it resonated with me partly, but obviously, you know, you can go too far in, in saying that America is a good empire. No, there is no such thing as a good empire. There are empires that are better than others because empires, by definition, commit atrocities. And um, and I think that the, someone said this, I think it was Sam Hasselby, you know, our friend on, on Twitter and also an editor at um, Eon, right? a, Eon Magazine, where he said behind every rich country is, is a great crime. Yeah. And but actually but then other people said behind every country is a great crime. Right, but so look at look I, I mean I, I, that gets us to some interesting stuff, right? I you know first you 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 thought I I was snarking when when I I I I uh I agreed with you about about Foucault and the rest of that stuff. I mean I was tweeting that when Ross wrote his uh Ross Douthat wrote his recent column about the temptations of Foucault and using that. I it that made me realize in fact quite how indebted I am to sort of that tradition of looking at this sort of stuff. What's interesting to me is that, that you know, I, I, I outgrew all of that critical theory stuff, all that postmodernism stuff, but it's not like I uh, outgrew it in a sense of rejecting it. I just found it not sufficient to be able to do anything with, you know, I mean, ultimately. And that's, I, I guess, how I also see the sort of woke moment, because, you know, they are very much tied to this sort of stuff. Um, but maybe the, the part, this gets back to the question of justice, um, is that, you know, in the sense that, that I, I guess, put it like this, I think that, that the, you know, if you take the sort of, you know, postmodernist approach to power relations and all of this, and you talk about these sorts of, you know, deeply ingrained network effects of whatever i don't like to use the word oppression but just like power relations whatever how these things tend to perpetuate themselves and and sort of uh exist over time um i i i i generally think that there's something to that narrative uh that that line of criticism of any sort of social situation i think foucault does a pretty good job of of describing how societies work um the 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 hollowness of of Foucault and quite frankly the woke movement is that you know they point to this and then their answer is what uh, I guess it's to you know pick apart these power structures but that's not even Foucault realized that's not how this stuff sort of works you don't like take apart power power exists and these relationships replicate themselves so it's like it's it's partly this like deconstructing nonsense which is i think part of this why the woke movement is so um uh theatrical and so uh performative right because it's all about you know showing and 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 dismantling these sorts of things 
but again, with Foucault, I think that, that none of this is actually going to make a difference because it's, you know, power is ultimately the, the main thing that, that, that defines most of these sort of relations in societies. And they're not, power doesn't just, you know, get defeated by, by penance or something like that, which seems to be what the sort of drive of the, of the, of the woke folk is. So, I mean, I guess what I'm getting at is that, like, I've, what I've taken away from my undergraduate uh, education as, you know, uh, a philosopher who was compelled to, but also was drawn to a lot of the sort of postmodernist stuff. Um, is you were that, a philosopher in undergrad? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now I'm just a bullshit artist, to, to quote Mel Brooks. Um, it's, uh, uh, I, what I'm getting at is that, like, the, the, it's just, it seems like so obviously a dead end to, uh, dead end to me, you know, like that is to say, like, I, I think, I think I share a lot of the sort of materialist critique of America, but I also understand that like the, that as a, as a mo, as a way of looking at the world, it is completely a dead end. Like it just doesn't, the world doesn't work that way. And all appeals to justice. Maybe this is what I'm getting at. It's like my, my godless sort of lack of sense of what one grounds justice in, unless it's something uh, transcendent, which I don't personally feel myself. Um, I, 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 this just seems like a dead end. And another reason not to get so wo- worked up about it. I understand, like maybe it's a little. They're a little bit like uh, what you call it, um, uh, cultural revolution Maoists or whatever, and and it's a little scary. And it's certainly scary to people who've lost their jobs when and this sort of like, you know, indoctrination stuff and crazy stories coming out all the time and people are really scared not to cross these lines. None of that's good, but it just seems so self-evidently a dead end to me because like philosophically it's a dead end. They have no answer. Uh, and as a mode of critique, it's correct, but who cares? You know what I mean? Okay, but it's not self-evidently a dead end because I mean, if it was self-evident, then we wouldn't be here talking about it right i mean what do you what do you mean it's self-evident it's obvious maybe to us but i mean history is replete with examples of intellectual and ideological dead ends that people continue pursuing the How- fact that it's a de- dead end doesn't doesn't render it null or null and void how seriously do you think though how much traction do you think this stuff has you know again the comparisons are with sort of basically communist ideology, cultural Marxism, et cetera, et cetera. Um, do you, how much traction do you think that has? Maybe this is a blind spot for me in the sense that, you know, uh, being from that world, seeing it sort of collapse, um, and, you know, for that, and you're, sure, like, I didn't live through the Cultural Revolution, I'm not Chinese, and 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 but you know what I mean? Like, the Cultural Revolution happened under Mao after Mao had already established a, a certain kind of state. How and and the right is always up in arms about, you know, the, what what the the cultural revolution is is doing to America. I, I'm just trying to sort of plumb why I'm 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 so confident that it's not going to go anywhere. But it's already gone somewhere. This it's already happened, Demir. This is not a hypothetical construct. What do you mean? In the, like, we see the results already. The results are uh, people losing their jobs, and uh, you know some of our most august uh, institutions just becoming unreadable to normal people. I guess I mean I'm worried more about 
polarization it, and what this does to our politics over it, time because it creates an irreconcilable thing. Well, that's a big effect. So even just taking that by itself, but also there are other more tangible effects. Like I think that the um, the significant, even perhaps dramatic rise in crime that we're seeing can't be separated from from the woke moment that um i welcome that though good lord you welcome welcome, wait what do you mean you welcome higher rates of crime because this is i mean this is this is the movement slitting its own throat i mean yeah okay but that has a major impact on people and like people are suffering from that and people are going to continue dying because of because of this maybe it does heighten the contradictions yeah and it helps people realize that wokeness is dangerous, but that's a real tangible effect on the ground that we're seeing in local communities. Yeah. And um, am, I, am I so callow to to say, well, things happen in the world, i.e., you know, political movements have consequences, but I'm confident enough that 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 you know the self evident stupidity of this is going to catch up to 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 yeah, but, this movement. Okay, but. It'll catch up, and then what? Are, are, I mean, if it's already having these bad effects, and it's already affecting mainstream institutions, and even the CIA is buying into this woke rhetoric and using it and instrumentalizing it, if it's affecting college admissions where Asian Americans are being disadvantaged because despite what the woke people say about supporting AAPI or Asian American or whatever they say, I mean, this is a, it affects people's lives on a mass scale. It's hurting our cities. It's undermining our cities. The epidemic of homelessness that is worse than I've ever seen in my life that we can see in all, in pretty much every major city right now, these are profound effects um, that have it's it's not just about rhetoric. It's not just about New York Times articles. It's about policy ultimately, because these people are affecting policy. Are, are you telling me that we could be in a better place if this hadn't happened? Agree? Uh, no, I'm saying it's destructive, and we're it's not it's not a hypothetical destructiveness. Now you might say, well, that's life. Destructive things happen. Correct. But then, then okay, sure. But correct. I mean, I mean, maybe this gets back to this whole sort of questions. I mean, of Maybe it's 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 my my inability to get worked up over over bad outcomes of, of certain things. You know, I mean, maybe it's it's this sort of perverse. But what's more bad than a bad outcome? I don't understand. Like, what is the worst case? So, civil war a- is the worst case. I think. Like, if <laughs> if we get into that, then okay. Then- so you're just, you're just saying that wokeness is not going to lead to a civil war. Fine. Right. I don't think anything is going to lead to a civil war. I don't think a civil war is really possible in my lifetime in the U.S. Well, that's good, right? I mean that that means that we're a healthy society. Because I believe in American democracy. Democracy, ultimately, it's resilience. I mean, people can hold me to that if a civil war does happen and say, well, Shaddy got me wrong. Shaddy got it wrong. But I won't care because then we'll be dealing with a civil war. I don't think anyone will care about like what I wrote or what I said like 30 years prior. But I am. Yeah. So I but yes, I don't think a civil war is likely or or even possible or plausible. Mm -hmm. But then then what we're talking about then falls short of that. I mean, the worst case outcomes that are realistic are the ones that we're currently seeing or that we will see in the coming years. That's what I'm concerned about. That's what I'm worried about. That's going to affect people's lives in the interim until we find our senses. So why don't we... So that's, I mean, to say that 
to kind of dis to kind of put that to the side and say, oh well, you know, bad things happen. Sure, but I don't want bad things to happen. Okay, I mean, but then all we're talking about is just like criticizing <laughs> criticizing a, a you know a, a silly movement that has no chance of actually achieving its stated goals. It uh, is achieving its stated goals as we speak. What? Wait, its its stated goals are are uh, helping helping oppressed communities. It's manifestly not doing that. In fact, by just the the things that you cited, most of all being the the crime wave, which is which is. Quite frankly, again, I don't mean to sound callous, but that is a delicious outcome. Like, a oh, delicious outcome. Here. No, I mean, come on. No, come on yourself. What are we talking about here? <laughs> okay, but look, as someone who lives in a city... Yeah, yeah it's unpleasant. It, it doesn't seem... It doesn't taste delicious to me. I mean, I, I also... You know, I've been in D.C. somewhat longer than you, and I, I remember a D.C. of the 1990s. It's... We're fine. I'll say that as well. Uh, but, 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 you know, <laughs> you know what I mean though? Like, again, it's, it's maybe, maybe it's my, my, my deep lack of sense of progress as well. It's like I remember DC as a, as a, as a truly dangerous place where metros closed at like, I forget, yeah. like 11 o'clock. And I kind and- of remember that because I overlap with that period a little bit. I don't want us to return to that period or to get close to that. I mean, what? I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, I like things happen. Like, especially politics and things like that operate in cycles. We're not constantly improving anything. I mean, maybe this is again my my sort of lack of of progressive instinct on any of this. But but I watch this happen. I mean, I think what the the transformation of DC uh, through the two thousands and and you know up until recently has been quite frankly a miraculous thing. I would have never predicted it to happen. Now that it's reverting to to a, a, a grubbier sort of pre thing, sure, it's tragic. It's it's a shame, but it's it's also a product of something that is, I think, uh, authentically American, this kind of weird secularized religious movement that is uh, now baked in with this kind of, um, I don't know, dead-end philosophical tick about critiquing and and, and uh, analyzing and deconstructing power hmm. relations that has no chance of working. And I don't know. It's called America, I guess, is what I look at okay, this sort of stuff, look, you know? Am I, am I t- I'll take it. Yeah. Let me be more clear about where I take issue with your analysis. I mean, I think that I don't... Is it wokeness's uh, stated goal to help minorities? I guess it is in a very, like, generic, vague, unspecific way. But I think the more proximate goal of wokeness is to take over mainstream institutions and to undo power structures and reassemble power in this new kind of utopic vision that prioritizes people based on whatever the word is, uh, so based on identities that people are born with, basically, and not based on... Merit. Not based on merit or being good or being just in any kind of objective sense. Yeah. That's the goal of wokeness. Yeah. It may not be the the most stated goal because it it puts them in problematic territory if they're too explicit about that. So fine, I take that point. But in terms of what their their short-term goals are and what their medium-term goals are, I don't think it's really about I mean, they may think that they're helping minorities, but I don't think that's what the movement is. If we want to deconstruct the woke movement and look at what they actually are doing, I think it's about power. 
Yeah. So I think they are already achieving that. And, um, but maybe this is where my, my materialist side, I, I, I'll even go further materialist. I'll say my, 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 uh, my Marxist side comes out. It's, that's not you're not gonna you're not gonna change anything by taking over the New York Times. You know what I mean? They, but they they literally but Demir they have already they've already changed things, and we've already talked about the proximate effects that we're seeing in real time. Again, it's not civil war, but those are things to be concerned and worried. Like if we're not troubled by rising crime, where two thousand the net excess deaths in a particular city might be. 2,000 more deaths, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just putting out a number. I, I recall seeing the 2,000. Maybe it's not in a specific city, but um, in a more kind of aggregate level in, in certain, I don't know, regions or whatever. Um, these are things, that's 2,000 lives lost. Yeah. I mean, what could be more important than that? I mean, we rightfully, you know, start national movements when one person of color is killed by police, and we should be outraged about that. But if we're not similarly outraged about um, the deaths of hundreds of people in a particular city or in a particular region, or I don't know what the number is on the national level, um, then then what is there to be outraged about? I mean, the death of American citizens should be, if it if it's caused by by proximate independent variables that we can assess then we should be concerned about that. I mean, again, like, how do you... How I, mean, do you I, I, no, no, I, but I don't on. understand, like, what else is there to be, like, really concerned or troubled or outraged about? Well, I mean, I, I just feel like it's... Look, a, a couple of points, though. First and foremost, um, the mechanism by which this deconstruction of power relations is working, as far as I can tell, I, I saw... Uh, uh, is it Zaid or Ziad? I was... Get that backwards. Zay Jelani. Zay Jelani. Yeah, uh, he 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 wrote a piece recently on his on his Substack uh, talking about the rising crime stuff, and he cited some report. Uh, you know, basically seems to be restating the Ferguson effect as you know, uh, uh, yeah, an element of of sort of woke dogma and whatnot. But the interesting thing about the 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 Ferguson effect is, um, you know, it's again, the opposite of woke dogma. Though to be clear, the Ferguson effect is that. Um, crime gets worse and killings of, of minorities, yeah. populations. Right. More people of color die in the places where people were protesting against things like Ferguson. Yep. Isn't yep. that the argument? Well, the argument, though, is that, that the, the, uh, the Ferguson effect argument is the, the now what they're calling the Minneapolis effect, is that police are doing less policing because of the implicit threat to yeah. their careers and whatnot by the sort of political climate that's, that's, that's arisen. How do I again? How do I how do I put this more clearly? Of course, every death of every American is to be deplored, but this is what politics is for. You address this, and now we have real incentives to address this, which undermines the the very sort of essence of this sort of stuff. I mean, I guess I guess what I'm 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 opposed to is is if you take this woke spasm as given, and you know you ascribe to it a certain kind of immaturity, which is I think what it is. It's it's an unlettered kind of emotional quasi-religious, secular religious, not really religious, but you know what I mean, movement, a spasm of some sort. Well, yeah, you know, like countries spaz out and people die. I'm not celebrating this. I am celebrating the fact that like 
we're getting perverse outcomes from what is okay, itself well, perceived look. what is itself perceived as a morally righteous sort of thing that contradiction is wonderful this is good i want all of yeah, your look. your friends and all of your people who who are sympathetic to this to grapple with this you know like but they're really not they going to. i don't think they are going to they see higher levels of crime i don't think they're going to grapple with it i don't think i don't see really first of all i don't think a lot of uh Lefty Americans or just even just Democrats who live in like nice areas because most elite Democrats who are part of these mainstream institutions aren't the ones suffering from the crime wave. So there's also a kind of stratification here that's built in to our lack of awareness. They don't I don't think it's covered. I don't think there's a lot of awareness that crime has gone up by 30 percent or even higher um, in certain cities across the country. So how can it be addressed if people aren't even aware of it? I mean, a, a friend of mine um, from New York it, just visited. She was deeply aware of it. You and I are aware of it in D.C. right yeah, now, yeah, but, right? But we're not, we're, not, we're not in the Democratic Party power structure, and the people who are in it don't like talking about crime because talking about crime is basically perceived as being racist now because you're paying attention to... Um, to people of color who are killed by other people of color. And we're only, we're generally supposed to only pay attention to people of color being killed by white people. Shadi, don't you think that the, 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 remember that, that leaked DNC call right after the election when it wasn't yet clear that, that uh, the two Georgia seats would go Democrats way? Uh, the, the, the bitter, the impassioned anti-woke diatribes the democrats were saying like we in were private, because massacred. they're afraid to say it out loud they're afraid to say it to their own voters to their own constituencies look again yes, i know some people talk about this in private but that's not going to ch- that's not going to be enough look the other thing i would say is that i'm also coming at this i think from a little bit of so i actually this is actually really where this is an important point i wanted to raise earlier mm. that i'm I'm thinking more about so I was I was listening to this podcast, this New York Times podcast called I think it's like Nice White Parents. It's actually mm-hmm. quite good about the attempts at integration in different New York schools and how and the role that white parents play with their privilege and all of that. It's good, but there's obviously, as you might expect, um a woke a woke bias where um the the podcast host and narrator is obsessed with whiteness mm-hmm. so it's even when the even when the outcomes are good in a particular school she's not able to basically appreciate that and say this is a good outcome she says well the good outcome came about in part because of white parents or white administrators and their policies. So it's bad in of itself that the good outcomes came from bad people, i.e. white people. This is the kind, and it's, I got really angry today. I was listening to it. It's episode four, and we included the link to this particular episode, because the first three were, I think, pretty interesting. I had some objections, whatever. Episode four is, I'm like, wow, this is what these people think. Yeah. It really is not about helping people of color live better, like have better standards of living. It's about, I don't even know how to describe it. Again, whenever I, we, my, whenever I describe wokeness, 
I can't describe it accurately because when I start to, it sounds so absurd that I start to even doubt my own sanity. I'm like, they, they don't actually, no one actually believes this. It's like a form, wokeness is a form of perpetual gaslighting. Yeah. That's really what it is. It makes you doubt your sanity. Yeah. That's why it's hard to combat. The other thing I would say is that what bothered me, what I would say even terrified me, I don't have kids, but if I did have kids, and as someone who wants to have kids in the future, I think about, you know, young children going through a school system where this kind of ideological indoctrination is par for the course, and it frightens me. I don't want I don't want my hypothetical kids listening to this stuff or being con- uh, or being um, I don't even know what corrupted by these ideas that prioritize skin color over everything else. I don't want them to grow up with that, and yeah. that's really scary. That we're going to be contending in these major cities that are run by the Democratic Party, which is my preferred party, but they're actually promoting ideas that I worry would corrupt uh, my hypothetical kids. That, I think, drives it home a little bit more. This is not some sort of like intellectual playground where we debate ideas. These are the communities that we live in. Well, I mean, I, I think maybe the part that's uh, here's the other part. I, it's it's sort of this sounds like it mirrors, you know, our debate about the fate of the New York Times. I don't mind that the New York Times becomes unreadable. You're, you regret this. Uh, I don't mind that the Democratic Party gets colonized by a bunch of wackos because I just feel it's defeatable. Just like the New York Times becoming silly, I think opens up an opportunity to you know actually operate. But what and if it's not defeatable better. and what if it changes the way we raise our kids in our communities? We live in these communities. We not, live well, in these cities. I, here's the thing. My parents moved to a place in order so I could have an education. I don't think that's a, uh, a a crazy thing to do. And I'm not actually, the beauty of America is the ability to sort of move. I mean, you're right. You know, even as a completely secular person, if I had a kid right now, I'd probably figure out a way to not send them to public school, certainly not to a Democratic-controlled uh, you know, uh, with all the teacher unions and stuff, I'd be very Great, careful. But can about you the afford stuff. that? Well, can you like so? A lot of people won't be. I don't even. I mean, I don't maybe know I'd how move much to a red school. state. Maybe I'd move to a red state. Quite frankly, okay. But what and, if, okay, and, and but what if I want to stay in D.C. because this is my home and this is where I've lived for a long time and I'm attached to my sense of being somewhere as opposed to anywhere, and I don't want to leave my city to, just so I can like find a non-private school where. My kids won't be indoctrinated. I mean, these are huge things. I mean, we're talking about tens of thousand dollars a year to put your kids in a private school. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, again, like what mat- that matters that how, if that doesn't matter, what does? Well, I don't know. I mean, honestly, you know, I, I used to sort of mock the whole sort of homeschooling movement, but I'm understanding it a lot better now. Uh, not that that's also any sort of easy solution to this sort of stuff. I mean, part of it, I think, has to be that uh, you know. Uh, and this is a real weakness for liberals who don't want to instill a kind of, uh, you know, red pill uh, in their kids. But I think the other respectful, the important thing to do at this point is to basically you have to counter indoctrinate your kids when they come home, tell them their teachers are lying to them about X, Y and Z and really be quite vigilant about this sort of stuff. Yeah, look, it's not ideal. It's not great. And again, you know, maybe you're attached to D.C., I've I've been talking, you know, for a while now, and especially with the ability to, you know, be able to, you know, work from anywhere more and more. I don't know. I I, I question my attachment to D.C. more and more. Okay, where else? We're, okay, I want to raise my kids in a city 
or close to a city that's almost certainly going to be a liberal area that Democrats control. I can't imagine an obvious candidate for going to And I honestly, I don't want my kids to be raised under a red state education either, where God knows what they're going to get there and people be racist. I mean, you know, I'm still, uh, presumably if I had kids, they'd still be people of color in some sense. To a certain so, extent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to some extent at the very least. And, you know, I don't want them to grow up like with a bunch, like the alternative isn't very appealing either. I don't know. I want my own side to be sensible. I want to fight within my own party, the Democratic Party, and I want to fight this madness. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear you, I guess. I, I, I just, maybe it's because I, I have no attachment to the Democratic Party. And, you know, I mean, watching, not that I have much of an attachment to the Republican Party either, you know, watching them sort of self-immolate and now watching a sort of version, uh, you know, a funhouse mirror version of this happen on the other side. I don't know. Seems like seems like lots of opportunities here is I guess I guess what I'm I'm coming at here. Now look, the indoctrination of children in schools, that's a big deal. And I, I, I don't know if I had kids how I would uh how I would approach it. I would certainly uh, ensure that I had a very hands-on approach to my kids' education right now because I do think again, from what sort of bubbles up in all of these uh you know Barry Weiss reported things about, uh, you know, uh, what's going on in some of these schools. Yeah, it's 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 absolute madness. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's my faith that 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 this all somehow self-corrects because uh, just in general, people are, you know, only pushable so far on this sort of patent nonsense, just patent are nonsense. They, I mean, are they? Yeah, maybe not. That's maybe a not. big assumption. I don't have like in, in I'm surprised that you have more faith in people in this regard than I do as someone who doesn't generally have a lot of faith in human beings. I don't have faith in human beings to uh you know do the right thing. Um I do have a again I'm, maybe this is my materialism to it. It's just like I I I feel that once especially well-off people start getting hit where it hurts on this sort of stuff that there'll be a revolt against it. I, I still maintain that, 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 that this is the, the big hole in the whole sort of, uh, you know, idiot Foucauldian approach to this sort of stuff is that, that power is not reformed by just, you know, uh, taking over ideologically, superficially ideologically taking over these institutions and stuff like that. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe we are headed to some sort of, sort of newfangled, uh, you know, cultural Marxism regnant over everything that just makes us shittier and weaker and, and undermines this country over time. Well, um, yeah, I look, know. to return full circle, we started the... Re- <laughs> I'm kind of being flippant here, but yeah. also like partly serious. I mean, we did kind of try to start a revolt with the Harper's letter. Yeah. I mean, um, obviously, that was really early days. And, um, you know, I'm glad that we did that and took part in that. Obviously, it failed in our side, lost, and now we're, you know, living To be clear, with... we, that's you and your signers. I wasn't signing any letter, but yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. <laughs> just sure. to be clear, yeah. Wait, you don't want, okay, yeah. No, I'm, I'm fine with the Harper's letter. I just, I, again, I maybe this is my... Accuracy. My <laughs> accuracy, and I, I just, I don't know, I, 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 I don't like activism, but anyway, go but on. But really, I just wanted to come back full circle, because we, we do have to meet up with a couple of friends for dinner um, in about, like, 20 minutes, yeah. so we do have to go. Yeah. Um, I think uh, there is there's a lot, and I think we will do, 
a part two or a, a bonus episode where we can maybe untangle some of the more controversial aspects of this with a smaller group. Mm. We'll probably record that tomorrow. So I'll tell uh, all you guys that if you do want to have access to that special bonus episode and also the other things that we're producing at Wisdom of Crowds, including our weekly Friday essay where Demir and I alternate you should subscribe and become a member and you can do that by going to wisdomofcrowds.live slash subscribe. You'll get a lot of goodies. So we would encourage you to consider that and to join our, our growing community. And we got a a lot of exciting things in store, which we hope we'll talk about in the coming weeks, months. So thanks uh, for joining us guys. Um, any, <laughs> there's, I feel like there, you know what was interesting too I think that I like that we ended on a note where Demir appears to be slightly more optimistic on a particular issue yeah than, oh. than I am that's very rare true so I would just say to all you dear listeners savor the moment <laughs> savor it while it lasts we do not know um, upon whence it shall return <laughs> yeah yeah, something like that. All right, Shadi. Okay. See you at dinner. Bye-bye. See you. Bye.